Remedial Jedi Theology Written by Marble Glove Read by God of Laundry Baskets Chapter 3 Passion Yet Serenity It has occurred to me that I need to give you the sex talk. What? Anakin squawked. It was an absolute delight to get that reaction. You're becoming a young man, after all. Obi-Wan had discovered over the years an utter joy in tormenting his young Padawan while maintaining a completely straight face. One of these days, Anakin would catch on. But, for all the suspicious glares... It hadn't happened yet. You don't need to give me the sex talk! Anakin sounded horrified and desperate instead of moody and hormonal like he had been for days now. I really do, especially if you already believe you know it all. Obi-Wan was deeply skeptical of what all Anakin actually knew. Jedi don't do attachments. I'll just avoid all sex and we're good. Obi-Wan sighed. Yeah, no. First of all, sex is fine. It can be fun. Sometimes it is useful. And occasionally it is unavoidable. I'll cover the basic physicality of it for humans and show you where to look up the different variations as it comes to cross-species affairs. But more to the point, there's the mental component, which is the truly dangerous part. Unavoidable? Anakin whispered, because, of course, Anakin had the knack for jumping to the most difficult point in any lecture. It was a valuable skill to understand what is being skimmed over in any given speech, It was just irritating to be the teacher on whom a student learned that skill. Obi-Wan released his irritation to the Force and looked steadily at his young Padawan. Jedi go into some of the most dangerous situations in the galaxy, often as lone individuals trying to overturn centuries of cultural conflict. We are demonized as often as we are idolized. Torture is not an uncommon threat. Oh. I will do my best to ensure that you are never put into a position that you are unprepared for, Obi-Wan promised. It was not a particularly useful promise, he knew, And from the look on Anakin's face, the boy realized that as well. On a more prosaic level, this is one of the reasons why we focus so much study on self-defense and escape methods. Soon, Obi-Wan would have to give Anakin the even more difficult talk about torture. Let's focus on the consensual aspect of it. Without consent, it is terrible. With consent, you can have a lot of fun. Anakin blushed. Obi-Wan was just too happy he was able to control his own blush of embarrassment giving this talk. In retrospect, he wondered how embarrassed Master Qui-Gon had been to give this particular talk to him. Although, at the time, his master had made it seem perfectly prosaic. It is very important, though, that all participants have consented. Keep in mind the three possibilities. They're doing it for fun. They're doing it for gain. They're doing it under coercion. Never have sex with anyone in the third category. Anakin practically tipped over, shaking his head so hard. Never! I would never! Good. Obi-Wan left it at that, although later they'd discuss options when a local leader gives you the service of a sex slave for the night. That was one reason Jedi sometimes spread rumors of celibacy. 
if they want something and are using sex to get it, just be very careful. The easiest answer is to not have sex with anyone with ulterior motives. That's not really consent at all. If they just want to get something else, like a slave who doesn't want to get beaten. Anakin looked judgmentally at Obi-Wan for even considering this a separate situation. Mm, there are gradients. A slave avoiding a beating is not considered a truly consenting individual. A highly-ranking pleasure courtesan of Balasar, using their area of expertise to compete in body control, is actually enthusiastically consensual, even if the ultimate goal is to win bragging rights. Anakin's eyes were nearly bursting from their sockets. Master Qui-Gon had looked smug as hell after a week on Balusar, returning with an open offer of employment from the Courtesans' Guild. Obi-Wan himself had spent the week hanging out with the support staff, and had a pleasant time while keeping his clothing decidedly on. Somewhere in the middle are people who are genuinely attracted to you, but also hope to get a favor. Just be sure you know ahead of time what any other participant or participants want, and how you'll deal with it. Anakin was beginning to look overwhelmed. Can't I just not have sex? I feel like that might be the best solution at this point. Passion, yet serenity, Obi-Wan offered. There is no passion, there is serenity? Anakin offered rather pleadingly. As awkwardly hilarious as this conversation was, there was no way to laugh off one of the darker aspects. Sex isn't actually the real danger. The true danger is attachment. Sex by itself is fine, and we'll absolutely get back to that until I trust you have a full understanding of the various ways and means. Anakin now seemed to be trying to bury himself in his own hands. Attachment is what can break you, and many people find sex and attachment go together. So we just can't like our partners? Anakin mumbled into his hands. He added, That's awful. We can like our sexual partners. We should like them. Avoid having sex with beings that you don't like. But you cannot allow them to become attachments by which you can be manipulated. It is not good for you, and it is often deadly for them. What? A hand came down and Anakin was staring, his embarrassment forgotten. Wait, what? Attachments are like fishing lines. They can be used to tug us this way and that, against our will and against the will of the Force. The easiest way to tug such a line is via fear. Some people will try to threaten everything you care about. If they can't find something through which to threaten you, they will try to create it. If you are assigned to political missions, you will find yourself introduced to some of the kindest, most charming, most beautiful beings in the galaxy, with whom it would be easy to form an attachment. And you must always ask yourself, who is watching to see if such an attachment forms, just so that they can hurt that kind, charming, beautiful being? Anakin was so pale, he looked faintly green. What? It is common for people outside the Jedi Order to attempt to lure young Jedi into forming attachments. Sometimes it is even with good intentions, thinking the Jedi will be happier that way. Much more commonly, however, there are political objectives— a Jedi with attachments can be manipulated, and the method of that manipulation is pain. Enjoying sex is fine, but if you truly love someone, walk away and never look back. 
That will create its own suffering, but at least your enemies won't prolong it because of you. Anakin was looking at him like he was insane. Most Jedi raised in the temples were taught to avoid attachments on instinct. It usually wasn't necessary to delve into the horror-filled histories of why the rules against attachments were first implemented. Obi-Wan himself would have been happier avoiding looking into those histories himself, but he had needed to know the background in preparation for this talk. A lot of beings had come to messy ends before the rule was set. If you want them to live long, happy lives, then there are three options. You go to them, they go to you, or you both walk away from each other. Most recently, the Council has pressed the last option. If you fall in love with someone, acknowledge the emotion, and then give it to the Force and walk away. Obi-Wan considered his young Padawan and knew that he had to be honest here. That is what I did. What? It is, by its nature, a difficult thing to get any historical records on, so it's unclear how common it is, Obi-Wan continued, ignoring the interjection. Anakin did not look like he planned on letting it go, leaning forward to stare directly at Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan continued before Anakin could say anything else. More commonly in the past, the Jedi left the Order and joined the family or community of the one they had formed an attachment with. The final option isn't done in the modern day, but there have been historical cases where the beloved of a Jedi move into the temple. They live, essentially, in confinement for the rest of their lives, but the Jedi in question could continue taking missions without endangering the beloved. The most prominent such case was the head of the Order, back before the last Sith War. In later archives, there's retrospective debate on whether this was a great sacrifice on Z's part, giving up their autonomy in order to live in absolute safety in support of their beloved Jedi. Or if this, rather, was a sign of the Jedi in question turning to the dark, with an obsessive, possessive love more common to the Sith. One thing to be said for Obi-Wan's years of teaching an unconventional Padawan. He now had years of experience searching through the Jedi archives for all mention of other unconventional Jedi. He probably now knew more oddities in Jedi history than anyone other than Master Yoda. Several of the stories he reserved for future use— when and if he ever needed to call on their rather unusual precedents. Some of them, not so much unusual as just truly ancient, he'd already used in defense of his continued and growing presence as an instructor at Master Yalawari's Center for the Jedi Arts. The Council had not been perfectly happy for Anakin to train at an outside institution, but had been even less pleased for Jedi Knight Obi-Wan Kenobi to teach classes at outside institutions, especially when it came to Jedi-specific skills. But the classes continued. The center had begun attracting students that neither Yalawari nor Obi-Wan were particularly happy with. Students who wanted the prestige of being taught by a Jedi, rather than learning the Jedi arts for their own sake. Obi-Wan had originally simply dealt with the problem by restricting his lessons to the advanced students, letting Yalawari be the gatekeeper. Recently, though, Yalawari came to him concerned that some of the students learning the technical skills completely failed to accept the philosophical teachings. It was, unfortunately, not an unheard-of situation. It's where the Sith came from, really. The ability to act without the wisdom to know when to do so. 
Obi-Wan was used to working with Force-sensitive younglings, all of whom needed to be trained, regardless of temperament. Temperament could be changed, after all, although sometimes a pointed demonstration or two were needed to prompt that transformation. I have a special lesson. All of your students are invited. It will be a lesson in melee fighting. And you think that will help? Yalawari clearly wondered where this was going. It will serve several purposes. Among them, a practical demonstration of the value of respecting one another and of working together. You're going to have them tripping over each other, aren't you? That's the goal. If I get it right, the more dedicated students will work together to take me down, the more difficult students will trip over themselves. You think you'll be able to run a practice melee battle that smoothly? Yalawari was clearly dubious, and Obi-Wan realized that while he and Yalawari had become friends, familiarity had led not to contempt, but to a certain loss of reverential esteem. It would be a lesson to Yalawari then as well. It would, also, alas, be good practice for Obi-Wan himself, since Yalawari was right, that this would be a difficult type of battle to run as smoothly as he planned. The students were all in high spirits when he got there. Anakin, you are going to observe this time. Really? It was a half-hearted query. Anakin had already realized that this match had a purpose beyond just practice. Watch and give me a report afterwards of what you see. What I see? I'll expect you to be able to do what I do, but first I need you to know that you recognize what I'm doing. Yeah, I'll be waiting here with back-to-packs at the ready. Obi-Wan wasn't sure whether or not to be insulted by that. He ruffled Anakin's hair before pushing him towards the observation area. He made his way to the center of the main floor with a practice blade in hand. The students gathered in front of him with their own practice blades at the ready. I and my Padawan joined this center in order to create a certain training path for my Padawan. It has been a successful process, both for us and I hope for the center as well. However, it has come to my attention that some of the students here have been so focused on learning the physical skills they have forgotten the theory. They see me and forget what I represent. He made no secret of who he was looking at as he spoke, his eyes chilly. Some of the students looked hunted, some defiant, and a number of them gleeful at what they saw as a well-deserved chastisement of others. He let his eyes scan to the gleeful ones, the ones who thought they had done no wrong and were here simply to witness others being taken down a notch. In contrast, some students have been so focused on what I represent that they have forgotten to see me. Those other students shifted nervously, suddenly uncertain. I am an accredited Knight of the Jedi Order, with a Padawan learner assigned to me. When I am not here on Coruscant, I am in negotiations with warlords and mercenaries, walking in the blood-stained alleys of civil wars and genocides. It is my right and responsibility to see everyone I meet as their own unique individual as well as their role in their greater society. And it is my right and responsibility to judge them, to judge you, to move you to better improve your lives and the lives of those around you. I train here, but I am not your friend. Your friends are those who stand next to you here, and you would do well to remember that, to foster that. The room was silent. More than one student was a paler color than they'd been before. Even Yalawari was looking a bit frozen. Anakin, 
sitting in the back, was mirroring Obi-Wan's own effect, cold and watchful. The ability to use a saber is the least of the Jedi arts. It is a skill that many of us enjoy, both practicing and teaching, but is a sign of failure to resort to it on a mission. Not precisely correct, since the saber was often used simply as an identification method. Fighting his way into a mission was often just a matter of expediency, but using a saber to fight his way out was very much a sign of failure. This will be a melee battle, with all of us using practice blades, myself included. Your goal is to touch me with a blade. He didn't say anything about his own goal, which was not to touch a single one of them with a blade, to control their movements so perfectly that he didn't need to. Come at me. He spread his force presence through the whole room and allowed that to guide his moves. Those students who came at him with the clear focus of serenity within the chaos he matched blades against, guiding their attacks to give them a taste of near success before moving on. Those who came at him with mindless passion, looking muddied in the force, he swirled around and left tripping over themselves. And the three students who had clearly worked beforehand on a plan for this, he gave an approving nod to, and not only clashed blades, but even snaked his blade past each of their defenses in order to count coup, they earned the respect due to valuable opponents. Once they'd all fallen back, gasping, he stood in the middle of the room. No, we're not done yet, and raised the hand, not holding his blade. It was an external sign that he was using the force to give them more energy than they had on their own. Come at me. And they came. Obi-Wan kept it up for a good half hour, which was a significant workout, but didn't severely push his limits. It was, however, pushing the limits of the students who were finally dragging themselves off the floor to the audience seats, completely wiped out. They'd be feeling the effect for days, but not one of them was injured. Once they had all given up, he spoke again still maintaining his force presence throughout the entire room to ensure that they could all hear him, even beyond the pounding in their ears. There are more planets in the Republic than there are Jedi of a rank to be given missions. The requirements are harsh, and there are no exceptions. In addition to the skills required in resolving problems, we must also have the skills to maintain our own neutrality. We cannot be vulnerable to blackmail, bribery, or threats. No attachments, no pride, no jealousy. An all-encompassing self-defense, both physical and mental. He looked around the room, once more at the panting and pale students. Anakin, it is time for our sparring lesson. For today, you and I will spar one-on-one, -on -one, but going forward, we'll work on melee fights. You're quite good at this point as an individual fighter, but we need to work on your awareness of others, and your ability to move with and around others in a productive fashion. Anakin nodded, keeping his face as serene as a proper Jedi on a mission. Obi-Wan was proud of it. They had their own sparring match, and Obi-Wan made it an aggressively energetic one. Jedi were peaceful, but violent. Passionate, yet serene. Those who relied on them needed to know that, to trust that, and to never forget it. After another half hour of intense workout, Obi-Wan would have been soaked with sweat if he wasn't relying so heavily on the Force to supplement his own strength and endurance. Anakin was visibly lagging, although not as badly as the civilian students. The other students had recovered enough to participate in the formal ending of the class, bowing to one another and reciting the Jedi Code that they hoped to live by, 
some of them more tentatively than they had previously, others with more verve. Obi-Wan made a mental note of them, but didn't say anything, and didn't linger after class. He and Anakin walked back to the temple, silently at first. Obi-Wan was used to leaning into the Force to deal with the headache from extensive Force use, which was admittedly a bit like imbibing alcohol to treat a hangover, but sometimes that's what was available. Anakin was thinking his own thoughts. It was Anakin who broke the silence. You scared them. Yes. Why? Because they were forgetting who we were. But they're your friends! You said they weren't, but they are! Yes, they are. And as my friends, it is important that they know who I am. There can be no true friendship without knowledge. Anakin thought about it, then nodded. I understand. So what did you see when I was sparring them? It was really chaotic. I couldn't follow it all, but you knew exactly what was going on. It's easy to get lost in the rhythm of a fight, to just hear your own blood pounding, but you kept track of everyone and gave individual lessons in the middle of it. Go on. And you were protecting your boken. You never allowed any of the students who attacked with passion to even touch it with theirs. You only crossed blades with those who were serene in their attack. Well, I allowed a pretty expansive definition of serenity, but yes, I wasn't sure if you'd noticed that, but I'm glad you did. I'm one of the best Padawans at the temple in saber fighting, but I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. It is a difficult skill to teach. Most Jedi Knights who learn it do so in the thick of battle with live blades, unfortunately. After a pause, he added, I got that experience as Master Jin's Padawan. They were bittersweet memories. More bitter than sweet, really, and Obi-Wan didn't want to think about them. You're going to teach me, though. Yes. As you said, you're one of the best saber fighters in the temple. We can't let you plateau. You must always strive to be better. This is the next step. Excellent. It's also... Obi-Wan paused to get his thoughts in order. It's also important to realize that the lessons we learn in saber fighting have much wider applications. Being aware of the people around us, being able to move through crowds and be within the reach of some and out of the reach from others is important for more than just fighting. The most powerful block is not to be there. Anakin recited the phrase that all the students learned. Yes, the best fighters will never use their sabers. If you're good enough, you can control both sides of the fight. If you're better than that, you can control the fight before it ever starts. Anakin thought about that. We're caught in the middle, aren't we? As Jedi, I mean? Self-defense is about avoiding fights entirely, but we don't do self-defense. We do defense of others, which means we actively search for conflict and put ourselves in dangerous situations. Yes, Obi-Wan agreed, curious to see where his Padawan was going with this train of thought. Even if someone is trying to kill us, we can't really justify using lethal action because we knowingly went into that situation. It's like, you can't walk in front of a blaster and then pretend it's the blaster's fault for pointing at you. Yes. So, why do we ever use lethal action at all? 
the question from Anakin was an echo of all the times he'd heard that same question from Duchess Satine of Mandalore. She was a devout pacifist, with the power and position to make it stick. He loved her, and she was right, but he was right too. And their debates about the use of lethal action had more than prepared him for this. He gave Anakin one of his simpler answers. Because we're not just defending ourselves, we're also defending others. We're not pacifists. We believe in peace, but the force is a natural thing, and nature is often deadly. It was a well-worn path for Obi-Wan, but he wondered where Anakin would take it. While Satine believed in the sanctity of all life, Obi-Wan knew that death had its own place as a capstone of every life, and for some, a quick death was a mercy, and for more, a quick death was a mercy to their victims, past and future, and for some, lethal attack was a sign of respect, a sign that you fought them as an equal instead of trying to teach them as a superior. Satine disagreed. Anakin's thought process went somewhere else entirely. That's why Jedi are all so weird about death, isn't it? Anakin said. It's not just the idea that there is no death. It's that almost any death of a Jedi could have been avoided. Every death is a self-sacrifice. Even, even Qui-Gon, who could have avoided the Sith Apprentice but didn't. Because that would have been self-defense instead of the defense of others. Yes, Obi-Wan said. He could not remember running after Master Qui-Gon as his master ran after the Sith. He had been too slow and too late. And I need to learn how to do that, Anakin stated. It had been years before Obi-Wan had understood why Qui-Gon had wanted to confront the Sith alone. With his own Padawan before him, Obi-Wan could understand completely. For as long as we go on missions together, your safety is part of my mission. But yes, when you start taking missions on your own, then you must learn to know how to choose the correct paths. Every choice you make is a sacrifice of alternatives. Anakin was silent after that, thinking again, and they proceeded in silence to the temple. Classes at the center continued, as did classes at the temple, and the two sets of lessons dovetailed nicely, both in Obi-Wan's general lesson plans and in Anakin's more specific training regime. To the temple younglings, Obi-Wan explained, As a youngling, I thought a Jedi Master could do anything. As a Padawan, I began to see that they still had so many restrictions— it wasn't until much more recently that I realized that I was right originally. A Jedi Master can do anything, as long as they accept the consequences of their actions. As you grow older and your Force sensitivity improves, you start seeing more and more consequences for any action. To the Center civilians, he explained, Intensive study of cause and effect is how Jedi can accomplish the things we do. Not moving things through the air, but helping to end civil wars and unravel conspiracies. We must figure out where a single person can affect the most change with just a few words, and then use those words. We search for a place where the smallest move can make the biggest positive difference, and then place ourselves there. You can struggle and struggle to try and lift a whole engine in your arms, 
but if you know how to use a simple pulley and lever setup, you can move an engine with ease. It just takes knowing exactly how to set everything up, and then where to apply that small amount of energy. He continued with a lesson common to the Jedi younglings in the temple, but a struggle for the students at the center. You can make a difference, too. You can look for places and things and people that are struggling and provide help. I'm a Jedi Knight, and I am here teaching you right now. Do not think for one instant that I am unaware of the impact that can have on society, that each and every one of you can have, in improving a whole society. Anakin's classes at the university continued as well, and gave Anakin some experience at being independent without being too isolated and it let him get into the regular type of trouble that an adolescent could get into. Anakin had become friends with several of the other engineering prodigies at the Coruscant Engineering College. Their redeeming features tended to be that they were either too clever to be caught or too wealthy to be punished, and Anakin somehow managed to fit right in. Their illegal activities tended to involve hacking the programming of any droid they could catch, installing advanced decision-making algorithms based on uncertainty principles, with the result that the droids would develop personalities and personal preferences. Obi-Wan decided that it was easier to pretend not to notice than pretend he didn't find it hilarious. Anakin wrote a thesis on decision-making and self-will by beings programmed without self, and posted the anonymous manifesto on droid rights. Obi-Wan wondered how much Qui-Gon had known about his own youthful hijinks with Bont and Quillen. It was ultimately a good experience for Anakin and for the civilian students Elbereth and Gregoria as well. The times that the three had raging arguments about the meaning of sentience and self-will and consent yelling at each other about what was right and what was wrong was balanced by the hours and even days they spent in silent concentration, coding and checking codes and ensuring every last term and piece of punctuation was properly placed. When he saw them in silent companionship, rapidly typing away, Obi-Wan had to bite his tongue from pointing out their own balance of passion and serenity. They were good kids. All of them. Obi-Wan finally allowed Anakin to proceed with the advanced studies on his own, without direct supervision and assistance. Obi-Wan merely needed to be a background presence to defend him against jealous civilians and aggravated Jedi Masters. I do not appreciate being ambushed by my formerly non-sentient dustbin for debate on ethical treatment for droids before I have even left my rooms in the morning, Master Windu stated, rather pointedly as he stalked towards Obi-Wan for their regular greeting before Obi-Wan's class and Mace's meditation. Ah, said Obi-Wan, none of the other Jedi Knights and Masters who had been glaring at him this week had actually approached or said anything. Did you actually win the debate? Mace gave him a judging stare. Anything that has sentience and desires to request ethical treatment deserves to get it. I would never argue against that. Ah, huh. Obi-Wan thought. And that would be why Mace was the only Jedi to actually approach him. The others must have tried to argue, just like Obi-Wan had himself, and lost. Which is why, Mace continued with some emphasis, we do not generally elevate our janitorial equipment to droid status, 
much less sentient droids. Yes, well, indirect attempts to preserve their base status have failed, Obi-Wan admitted. And I don't think any of us want more direct attempts that would necessarily be more public. Mace looked inquiringly. Various pieces of equipment at Coruscant University are experiencing similar evolutions. Mace grimaced in understanding. They really did not want to admit to the university that a Jedi Padawan was at fault, and unless the Jedi Order was specifically approached about it, they could just avoid it. If it was as generally embarrassing to the university as it was to the temple, then they were certainly not going to go public either. I suppose I should applaud your Padawan's abilities to arrange situations to his benefit. Hmm, Obi-Wan equivocated. He still has some work to do on his long-term planning. I had a talk with our temple droids regarding how important it was for our Padawan learners to learn a wide variety of skills, and the importance for biological creatures to learn through repetition. Now several of the janitorial droids are insisting that Padawans clean their own rooms and robes. Mace nodded in agreement before clarifying, Knights and masters and general staff have jobs that must take up their attention. Indeed. And how did your Padawan Skywalker take that? With appropriate resignation, as far as I can tell. Although I think he'd regretted bragging about his actions to the other Padawans, who now have to clean their rooms, too. Fair enough. You might also want to draw his attention to the fact that while he has not significantly impacted the droids' duties, or even their desire to do their duties, he has influenced their concepts of self and self-worth in doing their duties. Ah, Obi-Wan said. Shit, he thought. Ah, indeed, Mace said. I gave my dustbin the talk I usually reserve for young knights on the importance of self-motivation and the dangers of relying on external appraisal. It seemed happy enough. But there is a reason we keep the temple as insulated as we do, to allow our members a reprieve from constant interactions. Our missions require us to interact with many beings, and mediation with the Force puts us in touch with everything in our vicinity in both space and time. The temple is supposed to offer us a sanctuary, not another social structure to evaluate, judge, and ensure fair treatment of. This was nothing that Obi-Wan wasn't quite well aware of, as Mace absolutely knew. Obi-Wan listened as respectfully as he could. I could forward you a copy of Anakin's essay, The Darkness Implied in Mandatory Simplicity, he replied guilelessly. It is quite well thought through, and nearly led to a riot in the younglings' quarters before Padawan Hyatt countered with his balancing beauty, simplicity versus complexity. Mace grimaced. So that's what that was about. Indeed, even without droids, we do still have beings in the temple whose welfare must be considered. Who must be, Obi-Wan pointed out. Evaluated, judged, and ensured fair treatment. A light snort and a half-nod were all the acknowledgement he got but it was enough for Obi-Wan to know that he'd won that point. Obi-Wan wasn't quite done yet. I could also forward you Anakin's essay, The Significance of Beauty for Beauty's Sake, originally assigned as a research study on Nabooian political dress, 
but which grew to a more universal perspective on beauty being an intrinsically virtuous thing to promote. There's also his thesis, Right to Creation, Right to Self, which analyzes the somewhat murky line between the rights and responsibilities of a creator to their creation, and the rights and responsibilities of a creation as its own independent being. He really has a lot of very interesting thoughts on a wide variety of topics. Mace looked at him consideringly, and Obi-Wan suddenly wanted to call back his own words. Had he been whining? Are you asking for my help, or just letting me know that Skywalker, like every other Padawan, is too smart for his own good? Obi-Wan winced, and then had to consider, because that was a serious question from a council member. I'm venting, and feeling overwhelmed, but I'm not asking for help, right now. Mace nodded. Okay, let me know if that changes. I will, Obi-Wan agreed. His self-centered frustration with training Anakin diffused by Mace's serenity. He was kind of grumpy at the loss. Why don't you have a Padawan of your own? Mace looked somewhat exasperated. You think I don't get enough self-righteousness from every other member of the Order, Tanny Kenobi? Obi-Wan sighed. Fair enough. I need to go deal with the younglings, who aren't quite so full of themselves yet. Good luck with that. Good luck with your meditation. Obi-Wan had no immediate need to teach this class of younglings, since Anakin had aged out of it. But the trade had been made, and would continue. Also, Obi-Wan appreciated the respite of dealing with the crash-raised younglings, and looked forward to seeing the eventual results from Mace's meditation time. Anakin's little club of young engineering prodigies slash hackers to upgrade the local droids was the least of the issues. The one time when Anakin wasn't an insane bundle of contradictory actions and desires was when he was on missions, thank the Force. On missions, he stayed focused and was more than capable of performing his own tasks with only the lightest of supervision, coming back with excellent results. Unfortunately, this did not translate directly to attending his university courses. By the time Anakin's skills had caught up to those of his age mates in the temple and bullying in the temple had stopped, Anakin had reached the teenage years and the jostling of dominance among the teenagers outside of the temple started surging. Obi-Wan was still auditing Anakin's engineering classes, mostly just for peace of mind for both of them. He absolutely could back off a little bit. There was often a bit of reserve between Jedi and non-Jedi due to the power imbalance. Almost always, the Jedi held the position of power, both in sheer ability to overpower others, and in the rights granted to Jedi to legally do so. When Padawans left the temple alone, they did so on missions, under the auspice of their masters. It was rare to see a Jedi Padawan outside of the temple unaccompanied by a Jedi master, and somehow Obi-Wan had not considered this when he'd originally thought that he could leave Anakin unsupervised more as a teenager. Anakin was perfectly capable of defending himself from a mortal attack. He was less capable of non-fatally defending himself from idiots who wanted to pick on a youngling who hadn't grown into his power yet. And thus, Obi-Wan was continuing to audit advanced engineering classes. You're a Jedi Master. Can't you just get him kicked out of the university for being dark? Obi-Wan really wished he could raise a single eyebrow. Force knew he should have enough practice at this point, not to mention the desperate need of it. 
but alas, he had to stick to raising both eyebrows together. Do you sense overwhelming darkness in them? What do you call their harassment, then? Obi-Wan took a moment too long to bite back the word tempting and decided to skip answering that question entirely. In our last mission, we negotiated a ceasefire between peoples who were trying to perform genocide on each other. There was darkness there, but not actually overwhelming darkness. Both sides were trying to protect themselves. Yes, they were performing atrocities for noble reasons, but they were still performing atrocities. Well, the other students are just being assholes because they're bantha shit. I don't see why we can't punish them for being bantha shit. The Jedi Temple runs refugee camps and training facilities, but no prisons. Why do you think that is? Anakin rolled his eyes and quoted, Our focus must be on rehabilitation rather than punishment. The goal can never be revenge, but must always be a better galaxy. Obi-Wan allowed himself a moment to feel smug. Exactly. But wouldn't kicking him out of university act as a deterrent to others thinking of doing the same thing? You think that if no one was bothering you, then no one would even think of doing so? Anakin scowled. That's what I said. So, should we kick out one student every semester so that there's always an institutional memory of someone being punished on your behalf? No, Anakin said. The argument went around in circles a few more times before Anakin went off to sulk about Obi-Wan's refusal to use his status as a Jedi Knight to get a bunch of engineering students into serious trouble for being young idiots. Frankly, if Obi-Wan was going to get someone into serious trouble for being a young idiot, it would definitely be Anakin himself. Once he got over being mad at Obi-Wan for refusing to make bullying a mortal crime, he got mad at Obi-Wan for allowing him to take classes that he loved. Why are you registering me for all these engineering classes? None of the other Padawans take engineering classes. Do you want to stop? Obi-Wan asked. He'd be surprised if the answer was yes. To all appearances, Anakin loved the classes. Also, it would be a shame for you not to complete the degree. But what am I going to do with an engineering degree that no other Jedi has? I expect you'll do all the engineering-related missions that no other Jedi qualifies for. There aren't any engineering missions! Because there aren't any qualified Jedi. Sothramore wanted to take an engineering class with me, and his master told him he couldn't. Padawan Sothramore hasn't completed any of the prerequisite classes needed to join you. Master Jugar said he couldn't take any classes at the university. He needed to take his lessons in the temple instead, like a proper Padawan. Obi-Wan sighed and wondered if there was any way to approach Master Jugar and request that he be a bit more tactful. He knew perfectly well there was not. And he knew perfectly well that the other Jedi Masters had reason to be dubious of Anakin. Obi-Wan had done his best to train Anakin in both the skills and the philosophy of the Jedi. The hardest part was to instill the instincts of a Jedi, to create the thought processes that defined a Jedi. He knew he had not succeeded in that, because Anakin still approached taboo topics directly, without understanding their nature. Obi-Wan had done his best to explain rationally the reasons behind a culture, and make sure that Anakin not only knew it, but believed it. 
It was particularly difficult to trust in Anakin's thought process when it came to the dark side, since he continued to ask the very questions that were a warning sign in any crush-raised temple youngling. There's all this talk about the dark side. Forever will it dominate your destiny. But I don't get it. And don't tell me just not to do it. <sighs> when have I ever not given you a full explanation? Obi-Wan sighed. Because, seriously, the very first thing he'd realized when he'd accepted Anakin as his Padawan was that he would have to be able to explain every last detail of Jedi theology down to the fundamental first principles to properly teach a child whose natural thought processes made him an engineering prodigy, not to mention police his own actions to avoid any hint of hypocrisy in following the principles. Anakin flushed. All the other masters yell at me and don't explain anything. You were asking other masters without asking me first. Anakin, you just tried to tell me I couldn't be a Jedi again. I've never told you that you couldn't be a Jedi. Anakin stormed out. Obi-Wan wondered why it seemed to be so intrinsic to adolescents across all species that they go absolutely insane in the process of learning how to define themselves as adults. He'd known for a while that he would need to tell Anakin about the dark side of the Force with more depth than most Padawans were given. Anakin's future had been shadowed for as long as Obi-Wan had known him, and it had only grown more so over the years. Obi-Wan wanted Anakin to succeed so badly. He struggled with his sense of attachment because, while he wanted Anakin to succeed, he also wanted the boy to stay safe. And he could sense Anakin's future growing more and more shadowed with every year, not necessarily dark, yet, but oh, so dangerous. He wondered if Qui-Gon had sensed it too, but had been more ready to risk the results, whatever they may be. There was a reason not all Jedi Masters took Padawans, and why those who did only took one at a time. Jedi were dangerous, and people who were still learning to be Jedi even more so. He didn't bother to follow Anakin, since they shared rooms. Instead, he continued his research into a brewing interplanetary conflict he might be called to mediate, until Anakin slunk back in. Like much of Jedi theology, there is an innate paradox to the Force when it comes to the difference between dark and light sides. As you are aware, the Force gives us many things. Using the Force, we can gain strength, knowledge, and direction. But it also takes from us. It takes devotion and dedication. And it takes emotions. And thus, users of the light side of the Force give it our darker emotions. We give it our anger, and our fear, and our hatred. I thought we just gave it those to get rid of them. Like a garbage disposal! Anakin grinned at his metaphor. Obi-Wan snorted with some amusement at that. <laughs> like a compost heap, perhaps. To reuse after a suitable transformation. But, Obi-Wan continued more seriously, those emotions come back. There's no giving anger to the Force, and thus never feeling angry again. That's honestly too bad, Anakin said. I feel like maybe that would fix some of my problems. Obi-Wan winced and shook his head. 
No, because that is what the dark side does. What? The dark side also uses emotions, but it uses lighter emotions. And they don't come back. Anakin sounded properly horrified. It's not an area we know much about. But the best theorists say that the Force consumes them. Emotions offered freely come back like a pruned tree. Emotions that it takes, however, are ripped out by the roots. And it is rare for anyone to freely offer the lighter emotions. It is possible that some darksider out there is freely offering their joy, gratitude, serenity, hope, and love to the Force while cultivating their anger, hatred, despair, and envy. It is theoretically possible. Obi-Wan honestly couldn't imagine it, though. To cultivate anger was common enough, unfortunately. But to intentionally sacrifice happiness? No, he expected that sacrifice was never done in a controlled fashion. Anakin looked a bit sick at the notion. Obi-Wan felt a bit sick at the notion, in part because he'd read the accounts of Jedi who had studied the dark side of the Force, trying to learn how best to combat it. Some of them had thought they'd found a way to safely learn it. They hadn't. Beings with the best of intentions have attempted to use the dark side, because in some ways it is faster to learn and build up, but it takes control from you rather than giving it. The dark side rips away whole swaths of your emotional capacity, either rips them away or maybe smothers them with obsession. It's unclear as to whether the loss can be undone. What is clear from all the records is that the users of the dark side don't miss that lost capacity. They had love, and now they don't even understand it enough to wish for it. The vast majority of Jedi who have fallen to darkness did not start out malicious or power-hungry. They often went into the study with the best of intent and then lost that intent to the dark side. Why aren't we taught this? Why isn't this part of the basic lessons? Because there used to be a regular attrition rate of students falling to the dark side when it was taught in the basic classes. Too many students thought they could just try it, just once, for the experience, without being affected. Because in theory... It was possible. Why are you telling me, then? Aren't you worried that I'll try to use the dark side of the Force? Anakin sounded annoyed that Obi-Wan might not think Anakin had the potential to fall to the dark side of the Force. Obi-Wan thought it best not to mention that he was honestly terrified of that eventuality. I think you know enough about engineering to understand how large the difference between theory and practice. Anakin had ranted for days after being assigned a group project to design a droid, as the only one who had actually built a droid before. Anakin was more than willing to delve into his grievance again. Those others were stupid! They never even thought that their droid might get dirty. Obi-Wan almost wanted to let him continue on, because Anakin hit such interesting points on his rants. But that wasn't the topic at hand, so we cut him off. There may come a point in your life when you are asked to sacrifice yourself for some greater goal. This is not uncommon for Jedi and it is best to be prepared for that question, to know when you will say yes and when you will say no. If you ever agree to such a sacrifice, you must stick to it to the very end. 
It's hard, especially when the sacrifice is your life. If one has to give one's life over to the dark side, any sacrifice is impossible. The dark side is too selfish to allow any sacrifice. Anything you try to protect using the dark side will be the first thing you destroy once it has you. He had to be sure that Anakin would not be tempted. Or rather, that when he was inevitably tempted, that he would know better than to give in. The shadow over Anakin's future remained unchanged, despite his maturing and advancing training, and it worried Obi-Wan. But, of more immediate concern, was the knighthood trials. In order to graduate from being a Padawan to being a knight, a Jedi had to pass a trial, testing their dedication to the light and their rejection of the dark. There were no hard rules about what a trial consisted of, because they were always personalized to the individual. For Obi-Wan, the Council had considered that his fight with the Sith and Qui-Gon's death had combined into enough of a trial for him. They had been right about that, but he almost wished they hadn't, just so that he had personal experience in how a formal knighthood trial was arranged. Instead, he studied the histories of others. Anakin was a prodigy. He soaked up the training that Obi-Wan gave him and looked for more. By the time he was twenty, he would be as ready for knighthood as Obi-Wan could make him. Maybe a more experienced master could do more, but too soon, Obi-Wan would just be offering Anakin help with guided self-study and providing the perspective that an extra decade so of age gave. Anakin would be ready for knighthood all too soon. Obi-Wan needed to find a suitable trial for him. The trials were more than just a test. They were a tempting process. They were a final preparation before a Jedi was sent out to missions on their own. And until then, Anakin would be an untempered blade, strong and sharp, and yet so very fragile. So far, Obi-Wan hadn't found a single trial that would truly test and temper Anakin without being stupidly, catastrophically dangerous. End of chapter 3